Good morning, Internet. Welcome to another episode of the Internet Movie Firearms Podcast. And I am your host, Dr. Gary, resident movie and firearms enthusiast. And as I always say, I am not an expert, and all these are just my opinions. So go ahead and get yourselves a second one. Do I have an episode for you today? We are going over the 2018 action thriller, Mile 22, starring Marky Mark Wahlberg and produced and directed by Peter P. Berg. Um, doesn't have the same ring as Marky Mark Wahlberg does. Um, so let's, let's get to it. Couple disclaimers as usual. I don't use notes, I don't use a script. I may or may not have a couple tabs open on the internet that you'll hear me clicking around, but I kind of do all this off the top of my head, so don't take any of this as gospel or academic, and don't chase me down if I get anything wrong. Um, now, with all my podcasts, because it is the Internet Movie Firearms Podcast, I like to break it down into three separate acts. First act, we're talking the movie, plot, production, trivia about the movie, spoiler alerts, obviously... Act two, we're talking the guns in the movie, how they use the guns in the movie, any interesting things about the guns in the movie, and act three, as always my favorite, what guns I would use if I were in the movie and if I had a magic movie ticket like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Last Action Hero, what would I bring with me? So let's get into this. So like I said, Mile 22 came out in 2018, directed and produced by Peter Berg, uh, starring Marky Mark Wahlberg, John Malkovich, Lauren Cohen, who plays Maggie in The Walking Dead, and Ronda Rousey, the UFC fighter. Kind of a CIA spy-esque kind of movie that turns into an action movie. Um, really focuses on the high-tech aspect of CIA wet work, if you will. Um... So, let's get into the details of the movie a little bit. Um, and this will allude to my, my rating and review of the movie as well. So, it had a budget of roughly $60 million, maybe. And a box office of $66 million, maybe. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Really didn't make a, a whole bunch of money. And in, in terms of, like, movies, uh, breaking even is not a good investment. Um, and, and that box office kind of reflects my review of the movie as well. Um, you know, it's not a terrible movie. I would say kind of getting ahead of myself here, I would probably give it like a B minus, probably C plus, give it a C plus. This is a, um, stream it movie. Do not buy it. Do not rent it. Don't pay extra money for this movie. If you see it on the streaming services, which right now, as of the last day of March 2021, we're talking on Netflix, and that's where I watched it. And I'll be honest, I watched the first 20 minutes of the movie, and I turned it off like a month ago, and then I was like, oh, maybe I should go back and watch it, and I kind of watched it, and I also played on my phone while I was watching it, because it it is... We'll, we'll, we'll chat about the production after I talk about the plot a little bit. So, realistically kind of generic linear action movie where it's like there's just a lot of action but it doesn't 
grip you into this, you know, into your seat. It doesn't keep you focused on it a whole lot. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the, the production a little bit. So directed by Peter Berg, who was an actor, um, and now it's kind of turned into a director and producer, and he's done a bunch of other movies with Mark and Mark Wahlberg, uh, Lone Survivor, Deepwater Horizon, and Patriot's Day. I have only seen Lone Survivor of those, um, but I feel like he uses the same dude for all of his movie posters, because I really feel like I mixed up Deepwater Horizon, Patriot's Day, and Mile 22 all together, because they all came around at the same time, and the trailers were all the same, and the movie posters all looked the same, so it's like, wait a second, wasn't this movie already out? You know, like, oh no, it's just a Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg movie. Um, which is kind of a shame because Peter Berg has done some decent stuff. Um, if you look at his catalog, so like, he was an actor, I recognize him from, oh, I just looked it up again Smoke and Aces, Collateral, and Copland is what I recognize him as an actor in. Um, but he directed or produced, had his hand in the making of, um, quite a bit of let's see here oh there's he was in 21 jump street too oh the original oh that's why i don't recognize it okay um uh, where is it with oh he did the rundown which i liked that has the rock in it that's a pretty good one the kingdom which is really good again michael mann was involved in that movie and if anybody knows anything about michael mann like Gun guys love Michael Mann, and he did, like, uh, The Kingdom, Collateral, The Heat, or, I'm sorry, just Heat. Um, yeah, Michael Mann's a stud. Um, but back to Peter Berg, Peter Berg did The Losers, I think he wrote that one, too, which is kind of, came out the same time as The A-Team did, and it just reminded me very much of the a knockoff A-Team, um, one of those twin movie kind of things that's come out. Uh, Battleship. Uh, and Spencer Confidential, which is on Netflix, which I haven't seen either. So it doesn't have a bad vision for action movies, but the trend that Peter Berg does in movies, and this is going to be my, my critical review of the movie, Peter Berg's movies, when it comes to action, it's like the gun, the choreography is good. The stunts is good. The filming is good. The actors are good. But when it gets put all together, it just doesn't hit it. And, and it's kind of hard to put your finger on. Um, it's kind of like, kind of like a V6 Mustang, which is a bad way to do it because new V6 Mustangs are pretty quick. But like back in the day, you were like, oh, check it out, a Mustang. Then you find out it's a V6 and it's just as fast as your mom's minivan, right? Or like if there's this new restaurant that has like this awesome decor, you go in and the menu looks good. The servers are friendly, you know, everything sounds great. And then you get your food and you eat it and you're like, that, that tasted like it was microwaved. You know, that's kind of... Peter Berg's movies in a nutshell. Um, again, they're not terrible, but it's just kind of like, eh, it's forgetful in, in a way, forgettable. It, it's not, I don't know. It, the best way I can, the best scene in, in this movie that, that kind of sums it up in Mile 22 was there's a gunfight against the good guys and the bad guys. And they're going through like this apartment complex and then the bad guys throw out a grenade and the grenade rolls across the floor and they're like, hey, get back. And they get behind the wall the grenade goes off, and then once that goes off, you know, tactically, the guys come out, and they're using, like, good, decent form, good gun handling skills as they come out into the hallway, and they start shooting at the good guys, and then the good guys are going down the hallway, backing up, shooting back at them, and it's like, okay, so they don't show it all together, right? They cut from one, the bad guy shooting, they cut over to the good guy shooting, it's like, yes, 
The gun handling is good. The, the effects are cool. It looks good. It sounds good. They're moving properly. But then when you put it all together, you're like, wait a second. These people are in a 10-foot hallway. Three dudes are doing full automatic fire in one direction of the hallway. And three dudes are backing up doing full automatic fire in the other end of the hallway. Nobody gets hit. There's no bullet holes going anywhere. And it's just kind of, so that's, I guess, the best way to put it. Like, all the ingredients are there, but when it's put together, you're like, wait a second. This seems kind of generic. And that's kind of how the, the whole movie goes. Um, so, you know, that's that's Peter Berg in the nutshell, at least to me. Now, let's talk Mark Wahlberg. I love Marky Mark Wahlberg. Um, I think he's a decent actor uh, all for an action movie kind of guy who used to be in a rap band, right? I think he's a decent actor from, like, let's let's click on him and look at his catalog. I mean, he did, like, what, Max Payne, Payne and Gain. Um, Oh, he's been in a ton. Why can't I think of any of them off the top of my head? But I I like Mark Wahlberg. I like Donnie Wahlberg, his brother, too. Um, I like his other brother who cooks hamburgers from their TV show. Um, there There is one of those Wahlbergers restaurants opened up in Pittsburgh, but I never ate at it. Um... Oh, cool. They don't show his filmography on his Wikipedia page. I guess I'll have to go through it long form. Oh! Three Kings, The Perfect Storm, Four Brothers, all good. Planet of the Apes, not a very good movie. Um, The Italian Job, Ocean's... Oh, no, he was originally cast to be in Ocean's Eleven. Uh, The Departed... Invincible, the football movie. Oh, there's a departed again. He produced Entourage. The Happening, I forgot about that, where, spoiler alert, the trees are killing everybody. Uh, Max Payne, like I said. Ted, Ted 2, Lone Survivor, The Gambler, Deepwater Horizon, Patriot's Day, Daddy's Home. Spencer Confidential. Ooh, there's an Uncharted movie coming out. Neat. Yeah, so, I mean, Mark Wahlberg's been in a ton of stuff, and, I mean, I, I'm i a big fan of him, and, you know, yeah, I like Pain and Gain. I, I didn't like it at first, but that's a movie that grew on me with the bodybuilders that commit murder, so, yeah, Mark Wahlberg's in it, and generally, I do like Mark Wahlberg in most movies. He's kind of a likable guy, in a way. I mean, maybe a little bit of, a, like, a Boston jerk, right? But, Overall, he's a likable guy. In this movie, there's no characterization to make you like him. He's kind of actually an annoying character, so you're not rooting for him, really, throughout the movie, other than the movie tells you that he's the good guy. Um, and that goes for John Malkovich's character. Very bland. Could have been played by anybody, which I think is what I said in the last movie he was in. Lauren Cohen, who plays um, Maggie in The Walking Dead, is in it. She did decent for like an action movie coming out and, and kind of being an action star, but again, there's like no characterization Ronda Rousey, where all her speaking parts, they kind of pan away real quick because I'm guessing they weren't very good and they kind of had to cover up the fact that she can't act. Granted, when it comes to combat things in the movie and all that, she does well because she's an athlete and knows how to move her body well as an MMA fighter, you know. She knows how to make things look efficient and look good, look legitimate. So, you know, decent group of people, but again, no characterization. You don't feel for the characters. Um... And that's basically the bad in the movie. So I, I hate to kind of start it off negative. The good in the movie is there's some awesome guns, awesome stunts, awesome chore- choreography with fight scenes, even if it is like a little random and like thrown in where it's like, oh, we need to, we want to have a knife fight scene. Okay, let's let's have the plot do this so that we can kind of cater it towards a knife fight scene, you know? 
So not necessarily believable, but the choreography is good and crisp and nice and people handle guns decently for what you would expect. Um, the plot of the movie basically is a CIA operatives. They kind of open the movie with them doing an operation against, I think, Russians. And then a little bit later, there's an Indonesian police officer who surrenders and says um, some kind of secret weapon that they're trying to find. He has information on it. If he gets them to the United if they get them to the United States, he'll give them all the info. So that's where the movie comes in, you know, mile 22, where they have to go 22 miles from, like, their safe house or... Um, the embassy or whatever to the airport. Um, and, and all along the way, then all the Indonesian government officials are trying to get him. Spoiler alert. This is a movie where it's like, there's a lot of monologuing going on. And, and one of the lines that they say is like, Oh my God, he wasn't a double agent. He was a triple agent. And then you find out it ties into the Russian, um, mission in the beginning of the movie. So it's kind of like one of those, like, Oh, here's a twist. Which you kind of probably saw coming because it just was kind of a stagnant movie. We're like, huh, it wouldn't be funny if this guy was actually not really helping him. And then when it happens, you're like, oh, <laughs> funny, right? Um, so the most of the movie takes place of this CIA team trying to get the uh, informant from the embassy to the airport over those 22 miles. So there's like car chases, gunfights, them running, you know, adventure ensues. Uh, what I did say was there was a lot of um, monologues throughout the movie, which is which is a little frustrating and annoying. So it kind of reminds me of like the Oceans movies and some of those British movies where it's like Mark Wahlberg's character monologues throughout the whole movie, not only talking about the movie, but also talking um, in the movie. You know, and it'll say stuff like, you see that kid who looks like the hipster kid from going on to college? Well, they're not. They're a CIA guy. You know, and there's stuff like that where you're like, oh my god, please stop. You know, what, option one is diplomacy. When that doesn't work, option two is military. And when that doesn't work, we're option three. And it's like, oh, goodness gracious. Which is kind of a Peter Berg thing in his movies. Like, a lot of just, like, one cringy one-liner stuff like that, so... Um, like I said, I'd probably give it a C plus, maybe stream it only. It is on Netflix as of, uh, early 2021. So, you know, if you want to put it on in the background and play on your phone or, or do work or something like that, that's what I do. That's what I did with it. So it's good for that. But it's as far as like, let's have a movie night with the family. No, please don't do that to yourself. Um, so that's act one. I'm done rambling enough. Let's get into act two. So we're talking about the guns in mile 22. Um, and there are quite a bit of tactical cool Gucci gear. So let's get into it. So for this movie, I'm pretty much following the Internet Movie Firearm Database uh, website. So I'm just kind of going to go down their list, starting with like handguns and then going into submachine guns and rifles. Um, we have chatted about all these guns i'm scrolling down looking i think we've chatted about all these guns in another podcast at some point oh maybe not that one um at some point so i am going to be kind of glossing over some of the main ones what is cool and i wouldn't have caught this watching the movie so thank goodness for the internet um they did catch kind of like the brands of the ars that are used in this so we'll we'll talk about that when we get to it um but let's start first let's talk handguns and i'll kind of fly through these kind of quick as quick as I can, at least, being long-winded. So, Glock 17 is used in 
they do have one that they try to make look like a Glock 18, like the full auto Glock. And, and as I always say, if it's a Glock, if it's black and it's square, it's a Glock. And a Glock is a Glock is a Glock is a Glock. Um, looks like a third gen because of the grip. It's hard to tell, but it does have a vertical foregrip, which is a fab defense. Um, and they have an extendo mag on it. So they wanted to make it look like a G18, which is like a submachine gun version of the semi-automatic Glock. Um, but yeah, your usual nine millimeter duty combat handgun that's used all over the world by everybody is used by many of the characters. Um, Mark's Wal Mark Wahlberg's character also uses a Glock and it is the Glock 21. So I've mentioned it before with like Glock and Smith and Wesson. I hate how they name their guns. They put numbers on them and the numbers kind of mean something, but they kind of don't. They're kind of random. So it's not like. If they would have named it the Glock 45 FS, then you would know, like, okay, it's a Glock in 45 caliber, and it's a full size. But instead, nope, Glock 21. What does that mean? I don't know. Um, you just have to know it. So the Glock 21 is in 45 cal, so 45 ACP. It is a bigger, slightly bigger handgun than the Glock 17, just because... And, and I hate to use the word words large frame and small frame because that's not actually accurate. So I'm not using those technically. I'm using them unofficially, right? Even if they're supposed to be quote-unquote full-size guns, most modern manufacturers, 9mm and 40 cal, so 40 Smith & Wesson, will be on a smaller frame handgun. And then if they want to make it in like 45 or 10mm, they have to make it on a slightly larger or scaled-up handgun. Now, there is some differentiation between brands, obviously, but so it's one of those things like with Glock, for example, you could have a Glock 17 and a Glock 21, you put them on the table, you probably wouldn't, if you didn't like look at the numbers listed on the, like etched on the gun, you wouldn't be able to tell which one is which until you like picked it up and looked at it closer because they look almost identical, but the, the Glock 21 is slightly larger than the 17 because it is a 45. So... And in the movie, it is kind of funny that Mark Wahlberg does say something like, hey, you have any more 45 ammo? Like, trash talking to the bad guy in that hallway shootout that I was talking about. So, they does mention 45 by name. Um, you know, hand on your heart, everyone, for John Moses Browning for the 45 ACP, even though he didn't invent it. But, or did he? Automatic Colt pistol? 1911 was John Moses Browning. And then, yeah, I think he probably had a hand in it. But, um, going down handguns. Heckler & Koch, HK, uh, German-made, VP9, so striker-fired, modern 9mm polymer-framed handgun, one of the one, many Wonder 9s out there, I've mentioned it in, I think, the AVA podcast, I've owned uh, VP9s, they're pretty nice, um, they do have a cool mag release where it's a little paddle, not a button, so that did rub my finger the wrong way, and that's why I um, got rid of mine. But they are good shooters, and it's used by the informant in the movie. Um, so, pretty good gun. Common enough to where, you know, you would expect to see it in a CIA militant-style movie. Um, there is one that they show under the table. Oh, that definitely is an HK. It says, oh, it might be an HK. It's unidentified, but looking at the still shots, it's definitely an HK. Um, probably a... P2000 or USP, and I think the P2000 is just a polymer-framed USP, so H&K's combat pistol that kind of came out in like 1990 and has been used all over the place and up until today, one of the better 
combat handguns again, right? If we're talking the uh, kings of combat when it comes to handguns, it is going to be in the discussion. Um, when they're in the safe house, there is a scene uh, where they have like a bunch of Glocks on a table, and one of them is one of the slimline single stack Glocks that we haven't talked about. So either Glock 42 or 43, so either 380 or 9 millimeter little concealed carry Glock. It, it's like a regular Glock, right? Black and square, but it's just shrunken down. Um, and then there's a couple other Glocks on the table. So, you know, once again, Glocks are Glocks are Glocks are Glocks. So let's get into the submachine guns of the movie. So you can't have a movie with, you know, operatives or police or military without having the MP5. So I've gone over these a bunch. So I'll just touch on them. So we have the MP5K, which is the shortened version with the little vertical dongle grip and like a folding stock. And then the full length one, which is the MP5A3 because it has the tele telescoping stock. So two MP5s, 9mm submachine gun, iconic and legendary, still one of the better ones on the market, and 9mm roller delayed blowback action, which is pretty unique and makes it shoot nice and soft and accurate. However, one that we haven't chatted about is the H&K UMP. So another Heckler & Koch, made in Germany. The UMP is a submachine gun. I used to play with it in Rainbow Six all the time. It is a blowback, not a roller delayed blowback. So a little bit more simple, the idea of the HK UMP, which came out after the MP5, was to use more polymers to make it cheaper and easier to manufacture, um, and be blowback so it was simple and cheaper to manufacture. So the UMP is supposed to be like more of a budget version of the MP5, um, supposed to be pretty reliable. I mean, it's a blowback and it's an HK, it's probably going to be decent. Um, I guess the recoil on them is pretty stout because you have that heavy uh, bolt, which when it comes, excuse me, when it comes to blowbacks, the mass of the bolt and a spring is what operates it. So when the bullet goes down the barrel, that big heavy bolt on a spring launches back and then launches forward. And that's what uses the action. Very simple, very few components. Nothing has to be fancy. You don't have any like weird lockups or anything like that. However, that big bolt riding back and forth, even with something like a submachine gun in 9mm or 45, will have a noticeable recoil. So that is one of the drawbacks of the UMP, and I know some people hate on it, some people love it. You can't really get it in the States. There was a civilian version, which was very neutered down, like with a thumbhole stock and like a single stack mag, because HK hates us. I believe they did that. I think they did that with it was like the SLR series. I think they did it with both the G36 and the UMP, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, so it's in the movie in a, in a scene, cool gun, another HK submachine gun that we chatted about in the zombie or, um, zombie land podcast is the MP seven, which shoots at kind of an experimental proprietary round, the 4.6 by 30 millimeter HK, which is meant to compete against the FN five, seven, um, kind of to be very compact, high velocity submachine gun for like penetrating body armor. So it's in the movie cool gun another gun that i don't think we've chatted about that i'm a big fan of that again for civilian sales in the united states is a cool one is the cz scorpion evo 3 so your blowback nine millimeter submachine gun very similar in form factor to that hkump made by cz in the czech republic awesome awesome submachine gun you can get them relatively cheap um, in the states in semi-automatic 
um, in both pistol or rifle form. So on my want list, as far as um, submachine guns go or pistol caliber carbines go, so great addition, love the gun. It's in the movie. Um, and also it just looks cool. Uh, another one that we didn't go over yet, but I, I did mention it in the Ava podcast is like my choice of what I would bring because uh, if I could bring anything, the BNT MP9. The BNT MP9 is like a rotating, I think it's a rotating bolt. It's a submachine gun that's like barely bigger than a pistol, a regular handgun. And it was designed by Steyr, known as the, I believe it was the TP, TP9, or TMP. Um, so the Steyr TMP, they sold the rights to BNT out of Switzerland and they made their MP9. Awesome, awesome submachine gun in 9mm. It has a magazine in the grip well with a little vertical stock and a folding stock. So it's kind of like a modern interpretation of the of the mini Uzi, if you will. Um, so sorry again, I'm flying through these. Rifles, one of the soldiers has a Colt. I'm guessing a Colt M4 because that's what the internet says, but you can't tell. So it could, I guess, be an FN or anything else like that too. So an M4 with a aim point on it. Usual military M4, M16. Stoner designed um, direct gas impingement AR-15 rifle. One of the ones that the characters use, and I wouldn't have known this if it wasn't for the internet page, Daniel Defense Mark 18. Um, so when it comes to AR-15s, a, a bajillion companies make them in America. When it Just like everything, right? When you have multiple manufacturers making something of the same series... You have levels of quality, you know, more basic to more premium across the board. So kind of when it comes to like garbage or trash tier AR rifles, which I have some in this tier and they run okay. You know, I'm not expecting to go to combat with them, but they're fun range toys like Bear Creek Arsenal, Palmetto State Armory, um, Delton, uh, Anderson, right? More entry level, very cheap guns then you have like mid-tier ones which are going to be like aero precisions probably like one of the upper mid-tier ones like smith and wesson maybe ruger thrown in there springfield armory um some decent brands and then you have kind of like the gucci tier like bravo company manufacturing or bcm daniel defense Neveski, uh knight's armament you know they're some people will say Colt, some people say Colt's more, um, like around like aero precision, um, uh, mid tier, especially modern Colt, um, LWRC, POF, like there's a ton of really high quality, expensive ARs. So like when people are like, you can buy an AR for $500, right? But well, pre COVID nowadays, like you can get some for 500, $400, or you can get some for like $2,500. Well, the gun that they're using in the movie, the Daniel Defense, is one of the more Gucci brands, a little bit more fancy, um, so it's all tricked out, and it has a Trijicon SRS sight, so, you know, your Gucci modern tactical AR, you know, that 10 years from now you'll look at it and be like, oh man, that was so dated, can you believe we ran those accessories kind of thing? Um, another AR variant is the HK416, which is different than your regular AR because it is a short stroke gas piston not direct gas impingement um, and mark Wahlberg's character uses it scoped kind of you know being a marksman or providing overwatch for the one mission and then later on he's using it um and it looks like he has is that an aim point 
I can't tell. I don't know my sights that well. I'm assuming Aimpoint or Trijicon um, sight on it, which somebody's probably punching their their radio right now, being like, how do you not know the difference? Um, another cool AR variant is the Sig Sauer MCX. So another piston-operated one, but in instead of being... So when it comes to piston operations, uh, your normal AR-15 has a buffer tube that goes in the stock. And there's a spring in there. So whenever you shoot the gun and the bolt opens up and it and the recoil operation happens that bolt goes back kind of into the shoulder stock and then forward well that's how eugene stoner designed it and then well he designed the ar-10 and then um somebody else downscaled it to the ar-15 i forget the guy's name um but he eugene stoner also designed a recoil piston operated one that use like a shortened bolt with springs inside the receiver so you could have like a folding stock right you didn't need that buffer tube in the stock kind of like an ak you could have a side folder well the sig mcx kind of copies that form factor and it's a modern version of that so um actually it might be gas operated i'm not sure but either way it doesn't have a buffer tube you can have a folding stock on it um i'm not sure if it's gas or piston i think it's piston um and then you have a so kind of cool some some again high quality gucci level ar variants you have the imi galil kind of used in the background so we talked about the galil before the israeli variation of the ak so great gun a couple ak variants you know your assault rifle in 762 by 39 and oh here's a cool one um I, i mentioned bcm so bravo company veritas tactical pdw so basically it's a it really looks like a knockoff version i don't know which one came first um of like the honey badger so kind of like that like multicolored fde short suppressed weapon platform um you know the honey badger the sugar weasel depending on if it's you know the, the history of that one and i'll probably talk about that at some point uh in another podcast i just don't want to go too long on this one so suppressed short barrel ar variant um, and it looks like here, there's a photo credit to Extreme Props. So I wonder if the brand, if the Extreme Props was the prop house for the uh, the movie. And you know, maybe if I actually start making money off this podcast and it's not a hobby, I'll start looking more into that kind of stuff and spend more time on it. But for right now, I do zero prep and just start chatting because I do this for free. Um, machine guns. There is an FN. You know, the M249 or the Mini Me or the Saw, whatever you want to call it. So FN556 full auto machine gun, um, an FN249, um, longer, it's a, so it's a longer version, looks like it's met with vehicle mounted. Then a Browning, hand on your heart everyone, John Moses Browning, Browning M250 cal machine gun also in the same scene, mounted on a, on a vehicle. So it wasn't used in the movie too much, so we won't chat about that. Couple grenades and grenade launchers, which I'm not going to go into, so... That's the guns of the movie, right? Handguns, we're talking Glocks and HKs. Rifles, or submachine guns, we're talking HKs with a CZ thrown in there. And then with rifles, we're talking a bunch of Gucci variants of AR-15s, all tactical and kitted out. One thing to note in this, um, I'm going to talk about cars real quick. So, some cool cars in the movie. They had a tricked out Jeep Wrangler. They had a tricked out 4Runner, which I thought was pretty cool because I'm a fan of both of those vehicles. And then they do kind of have some getaway scenes where they're rocking a Nissan Frontier. 
which overseas would have been the Nissan Navara. So I'm a big fan of the Frontiers. It's probably my favorite small or mid-sized truck, honestly, especially the older ones with the uh, the VQ40, so that 4.0 liter V6. Um, my parents had a Pathfinder with it that did pretty awesome, other than one transmission issue was it was a manufacturing flaw. So I like Nissan, I like Jeep, I like Toyota. It was cool to see some tricked out versions of it in the movie. So I've rambled enough. Let's get on to Act Three, my favorite. What would I use if I were in this movie? So when it comes to gunfights in the movie, uh, they use a lot of ammo against a lot of bad guys throughout the movie. A lot of running, shooting, jumping, climbing, fighting, everything. So it's definitely one of those movies where like they have extended firefights, and if they were actually carrying the amount of ammo that they you know used in the movie they would be having like 100 pounds or 200 pounds of ammo have to lug it around so that makes it tricky to try to select like oh if i were cia operative trying to get 22 miles from an embassy to an airport with hordes of bad guys and gunmen coming after me what would i use because realistically you're not gonna make it anyway but it's an action movie so it happens um my first thought would have been if I'm going to take one of the guns that they provided, the MP7, because it shoots light ammo, that's like armor-piercing, very fast, very soft shooting, in a small, compact package. But then I also like that um, B&T MP9, where it's like, neat, I have a some machine gun that's like the size of a pistol that can put down some, you know suppressive fire and things like that but it's only a nine millimeter and same thing with the the cz scorpion which i just love that gun um and i think would be a great choice but again nine millimeter ammo is kind of heavy compared to like the four six hk so eh. and then if you're talking oh do i want a full length rifle well you got to lug the rifle around you have to lug the ammo around you know it's going to be more effective but they're dumping so much rounds so this is a tricky one i'm gonna have to think about this for a second give me one second here i'm gonna pause this while i while i think okay i think i'm done pontificating um this is gonna be a tricky one because i need something that's light and i can carry a lot of ammo for it but it also allows me to like move and be quick and things like that Obviously, a rifle round is going to have more punch than a pistol round. Um, so, uh, I'm still I'm still torn. But I'm just going to pick one that I haven't picked before. Because, again, no matter what, you're kind of screwed and it's an action movie. So, because I haven't had a chance to pick the CZ Scorpion, I'm going with the CZ Scorpion. With good loads in 9mm, it's going to, you know, with the short range that they're shooting from do okay and you know as much as nice as it would be to have the mp7 to kind of like send high velocity rounds down range at someone and as nice as it would be to have a rifle oh i guess they are shooting at cars and stuff like that too i don't know give me a cz scorpion cz scorpion with 147 grain you know plus p rounds that's what i want i want a little bit heavier of a bullet Let's go with it. Let's just say it. Don't think about it too much because I'm wrong no matter what. So CZ Scorpion as my primary. And as my secondary, if we're talking Glocks versus HK, I'm taking HK. 
And let's go with the VP9 because I know it. I like it. They shoot pretty well. So CZ Scorpion, VP9, if I had to pick the guns in the movie. Um, and what's kind of cool is those are guns that you can actually buy as an, a civilian American. Um, now, if I had to pick anything to bring into this movie, what would it be? Uh, again, carrying lots of ammo, going against lots of bad guys. I'm going to take a boring answer. And I, I think I picked this one before. I don't know. I must be obsessed with it recently. I'm going to take the FNP90 because I get 50 rounds of FN57 in a bullpup submachine gun. That's what I want. I can carry lots of ammo for it. I know the manual of arms is weird, but still, I can use it as I'm running and stuff like that. That would be a good one. And when it comes to... You know, using a handgun, there's not a lot of good, you know, any, there's so many good combat handguns nowadays that pick from, but, well, actually, this is what I'm going to go with. I'll keep it, keep it the same with FN. Give me the FN TAC 45. So high capacity, like 13 to 14 rounds of 45 ACP, again, with good loads, 45 ACP can do better than 9mm, you know, at the name of more weight and more recoil but yeah give me fnp90 and then fn45 fnx45 um and let's just go with that just to keep it within the same brand for funsies because again this is a crazy action movie where you're never gonna have enough ammo and hopefully the plot keeps me alive so that is mile 22 you know a marky mark action wall movie a marky mark Wahlberg action oh my god action movie decent ish kinda you know put it on in the background while you do stuff stream it i give it a c plus the guns are pretty cool the gun handling is pretty cool the gunfights are pretty cool even if they don't fully make sense um some good choices of guns and if i was going to pick any that they had give me the cz scorpion and give me the hkvp9 if i could take my own or we're going fn and we're going fnp90 and fn fnx 45 and the cars are pretty cool. If I could pick any in the movie, I'd probably go with the Forerunner because of resale value. But truly, I'm probably, my heart lies with that Nissan Frontier slash Navara. So, as always, this is Dr. Gary signing off. And here on the internet, we are practicing our First Amendment to practice our Second Amendment. I hope everyone has a good one. And adios.